the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 0111911. Are you sick and tired of dealing with the so-called new normal when we know there's nothing normal about it? How about dealing with the old normal for a change? Westside Auto Supply and Slow still offers the same old school service they've been known for since 1946. They still offer the best quality auto parts, expert service, and the advice you deserve. Walking into Westside is like going back in time when the customer was king. With the latest technology and always competitive prices, Westside Auto Supply. Buy the best from the best. Whether you're driving one of these... One of these. One of these. Or someday, even one of these. Whatever you're driving, Motor Mouths has answers for all of your automotive questions. And now your host, Jason from Absolute Auto Tech. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing this crisp, cool winter morning? It's almost Christmas. It's starting to look a lot like Christmas. I like it. Everybody's out and playing and having fun. And uh, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas before I forget. Um, get your shopping done. It's Saturday. We get your, get your early shopping done and, and uh, take a few minutes to... Wander around. You know, it was amazing. I, I, I'm, I'm getting off subject already, and I haven't even started the show yet, <laughs> which is pretty common for me. But as we all know, uh, I was just wandering around the store trying to figure out what. What am I going to buy my beautiful bride? And I found something I liked just wandering. I was just just grazing. And uh, hmm, that's kind of cool. I don't know if she'll like it, but hey, you know what? At least I have something under the tree for her, right? So if you have the time, the place, the pace, the market, the inclination, and the information, I'm here to help you. I want to help you with your car problems, your car questions, your car concerns, all those things car-related that, you know, you go, why? What? Give me a call, 805-543-8830. I am Jason the Motormouth, and I want to help you. Uh, you can text us on the Starburg Law KVEC test line, which I don't have a little sticker anymore. Interesting. Um, it went bye-bye. So it's 543-8830. Right, it's yeah. the same phone number. <laughs> yeah, we're just calling it we KVEC not? text line. Okay, we're not, being, we're not being sponsored <laughs> by them anymore. Yeah, okay. For a little while. Whatever that means. For a little I, while. I, 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 luckily, I fix car. I, I don't do radio. Um, I, don't, I don't fix radio. <laughs> but this morning, we have a very, very special guest. Mr. Science is here in the office with us, or the studio with us. Good morning, Alan. How are you this morning? Uh, good morning, Jason. I'm doing fine. I mean, it's 8 a.m. It's a little early to tell, but... This is the day to be out, yes, because you can get out there and not get wet. So now get your shopping in, because next week, you might get rained on quite a bit, which is a good thing. Yeah, and that ruins wrapping paper and all the yes, other stuff. Yes, it does. And, that, and boxes. <laughs> and, and actually, you know, we're we're still a week out, so the, hopefully it's not just jam-packed, and hopefully the all the... the um, the aisles aren't empty, you know, nothing like going out to buy that new, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them a, and the, there's, they sold out yesterday. Um, so today might be a really good day this weekend. And You're waiting for that 75% off sale. Well, that's and, right. <laughs> and, and that's fine, too. I appreciate yeah. that. And, you know, I, I'm not uh, one to be opposed to saving a buck. At the same time, um, I would rather... Pay full price and have it, then 75 parts on off of an empty shelf. And that's yeah. my concern, especially post-COVID. 
Oh yeah, so many empty shelves then. No kidding. Yeah. You want the cho- you want the options, and you also want a little sanity. I'm not going to speak for Jason's sanity, but I'll speak for mine. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, all that running around, that stress level. You don't need that stress, so the little extra planning doesn't hurt. Yeah, agreed. And and you know we're going to talk about cars. Part of being able to do that is having an automobile or transportation to do that with, having it maintained, and then also, you know. Doing multiple trips, that's huge. If you can sit down and, and make a list. I use my cell phone. I have uh, probably a 100 different lists on my cell phone. Um, and, I, and I add stuff. Like last night, I was getting ready to go to bed. I went, ooh, i got to pick up this. So I put it on my list so I know to pick it up today. Instead of getting home and going, oh, I forgot. Now drive back to town and pick it up and drive back home. You, so, you, you, you eat up so much your day with those things. Having lists and being able to do that kind of stuff can really make a big difference. Now, you have a brain like Alan, you probably don't need to put on your cell phone. But for a brain like me, you have to have a cell phone. <laughs> well, you want the, also, you want to be efficient. I mean, I know gas has come down in price. It's still good to cut down on the trips to minimize the gas use or in your electric car to manage to keep the battery semi-charged because you're not constantly running around. Efficiency is a good thing. Yeah, and it really does make a big difference. I mean, it's just a couple of gallons. Who cares? It's only 10 bucks. Yeah, well, then now you multiply that by several trips a year, and yep. that becomes a real number. And that famous wear and tear that keeps adding in there, the more you go back and forth. Oh, yeah, the stopping, the starting, the turning, the, the all the, the tires, the suspension, everything. It really does add up. Um, I was also noticing this week, uh, and I wanted to bring this in because, you know, you're talking about wear and tear. I found at least two cars that are enjoy their time under a shade tree. And mm-hmm. I am not a big fan of shade trees for cars in our area. In the valley, when it gets to be 105 out or north of the grade, it gets 105 out, I can see a shade tree. But if it's not hot, I would not park under a tree it really the leaves get into all the ducts uh, and the and the in, in, intricacy part integral parts of your car they sit there they rot they hold moisture dust and it just ruins the paint and body and you, and you have cancer and you have other problems with your car and it can really do a lot of damage to your car not to mention what the birds might do if they're sitting in those uh, branches yes. right above your car. And if you don't clean it on a regular basis, that can leave marks that never go away. Mm-hmm. So it, it just that that's my you know two cents. If you can stay away from trees, if you know if at all possible, uh, whenever possible. Um, it's not. I don't know. I grew up with. Oh man, I found a spot under a tree. This is great. I'll park there. <laughs> no, not good for the car. You were mentioning uh, wear and tear. Mm-hmm. These these new vehicles that are out now that you pull up to a stop and they shut off mm-hmm. and then they start when you go. Yep. Is there more wear and tear on the starter and the battery? There is, but they modified the starter and made it to where it doesn't wear out as fast as you would think. Because mm-hmm. this car starts and stops you know a hundred times in a in a drive compared to your car that starts once in a drive. Um, they've modified so on most of the cars I can think of, all the ones I service on a regular basis, the starter, when you go to start your car, you put you tell the starter, to, the car to crank. Nowadays, it's all permission. You're telling the computer, hey, I want you to start the engine. But even back, um, the, the 
starter sends a, 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 has a, a solenoid that forces a gear into another gear on the engine and then starts spinning the starter. And it's kind of one fluid motion. And when it does that, sometimes it misses a little bit. And there's always somewhere. On the new starters, the computer says, engage the starter. So it pushes the gear out. And then it starts spinning the starter. So there's less wear and tear, um, and they last longer. It's more complex and more garbage going on, but it will last longer. I've honestly, of course, I don't work at a dealership, so I don't see a lot of brand new cars. I've never replaced um, one of the new starters on one of the new cars yet. So we have a um, first um, text off the uh, KBC text line from Cheryl. And it's just saying, good morning, guys. I wanted, I just want to wish the three of you a very Merry Christmas. Always great hearing Jason, Jim, and Mr. Science. And it's a very special show. So thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Good way to start the day. Yes, yeah, it's a smile. beautiful, wonderful way to start the day. I love that. <laughs> so Alan wanted to talk about... The brakes on his friends. His friends was doing a brake job, right? Yeah, he's got, let's see, a Honda Odyssey. Okay. And he's actually replacing the rotors and the pads. And he's going to try these new slotted rotors. The claim is that they'll help dissipate heat better. He was saying that the brakes in that vehicle were really designed for a much, for a lighter vehicle, a conventional body instead of the, um, minivan. And so you're putting the same brakes on a heavier vehicle, that's more wear and tear again, more heat. And so the hope is, and he's going to find out, will this help dissipate the heat more? And it's going to be the hard way because the rotors tend to warp after a while because of all that excess heat that they have to dump. You've got the extra weight. You've got to get that energy, that kinetic energy out somewhere, and those poor brakes are having to take it. So I'm curious to see if they will work better. And in other words, last longer before warping. And we were talking about it, and it might. It, so on high performance cars, they are drilled and slotted. So you have a brake rotor, uh, a dish, if you think about a plate, if you would, and you're putting brake pads. So you put your hands on either side of this plate, and you try to stop it from spinning. Um, whatever you want, think of a record, whatever spinning device you can think of, a flat spinning device, and you and you're trying to stop it by putting pressure on both sides of that spinning device. Um, on what what Alan's talking about is, is so the first one is you just have a solid spinning device brake rotor normally rear brakes are that way rear brake disc brakes and then you go to a vented style so there's two discs and in between are little grooves that air can go and pass through so it allows to cool better and that's usually our front brake rotors then on performance applications they on the face of those those flat discs, they put grooves, and those grooves help get more air in and allow the rotor to cool better also. And then also on performance applications, they will cross drill. So they'll drill holes all the way across both faces so that you can actually see through it. I mean, it's a drill. They just drill right through. And then here you have more area. And basically what you're doing is trying to have more steel touching more air so that you get more hit heat dissipation and, and eliminate that heat. Um, in, in my gross estimation or gross, I don't know what you want to call it, um, uh, the, the Honda Odyssey basically is a Honda Accord. In, it's got 
the same displacement engine and very similar designed engine. It's got similar designed suspension, uh, similar designed brakes. Everything is very similar. So is the um, the uh, oh the Honda pickup. What's the Honda pickup's name? Um, Passport? No, that's the SUV. Um, darn it! Whatever the Ridgeline, the Honda Ridgeline. Okay. So those three vehicles are very, very similar. They're not the same car, don't get me wrong, but they're very, very similar, designed the same way. And the Honda Odyssey, I mean, uh, Accord is a very reliable car, had been for long, many, many years. And it's it seems logical that why wouldn't you just put a big box on the top of this Accord? It works really well. Why wouldn't you put a little bed on your box, you know, and make a... A make a, a, a pickup-ish type vehicle out of it. But, yeah, there's a lot of weight there. And, wow, and if you think about it, even if it's just a shell, let's say there's only, let's say there's only 400 pounds difference between a Cord and an Odyssey. 400 pounds, no big deal. That car can handle it, no problem. Now, though, you um, leave your golf bags in the back because who cares? And you leave a... a, a, a tool bag in the back of the van because who cares? And you leave this in the car, and all of a sudden now there's... A fifteen hundred pound difference. Well, gosh, it's a truck. Do you use it as a truck? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and then you got to figure you the, the 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 size. Stuff in it. Right? Yeah, you got to figure the size of this thing is taller, and it could be wider depending on the size of the doors and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, now all of a sudden, when you're cornering, you're going to be breaking heavier because you don't feel like you can make that corner like you could in the Accord. And I can see really, and and people do, they warp the rotors and damage the car, uh, damage the brakes really a lot easier on those cars because they're so big. So I like the idea of cross-drilled and, and vented rotors and, and, and grooved, slotted. The problem I have is you really have to watch where you buy it because steel is not steel. Well, steel is an alloy. It's an alloy of cast. Correct? Yeah, there are many kinds of steel, and they have their strengths. Literally, they're different temperature um, tolerances, their strengths, their flexibility. There's quite a few varieties of steel out there. Right, and and no different than, wow. Okay, so let's talk about something easy and simple. What's the difference between tea and coffee? It's an additive. It's all water, 99%, 98% different. That's the difference. It's a little different in uh, the additive we add, the 1% or 5%, mm-hmm. right? Now we add, we want to make it milk. Here we are, a 1% difference or a 5% difference. Uh, we want to make it, you know, so well, soda is a different thing altogether. But beer, beer and soda, most of it is water. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something that maybe Alan could kind of address too, like, and sorry about I kicked off your point there, Jason. But, <laughs> but um, 1964, the Galaxy, the Ford Galaxy, was um, supposed to be named after, you know, because we were going into space and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Sure. But Ford was supposedly making those from aluminum? Hmm. It was at a hard... It's not, is, it's not like the aluminum can. Well, not only because that's thinner. Aluminum is lighter weight. And uh-huh. usually they don't use pure. They would use, say, aluminum with other things like magnesium for yeah. strength. So it is lighter. It isn't as... Well, it might actually be better in terms of uh, temperature-resistant. Lower melting point, which hopefully you don't have to face in your car. Yeah. But... In terms of impact resistance, I don't know. I mean, the steel has to do a few things. Obviously, it has to hold the car together and has to handle collisions. 
And so I don't know if the aluminum body is as crash resistant as a steel body is. Yeah, this is crazy. I didn't know whether there because you were kind of talking about the metals and stuff. Yeah. I don't know how they would make the aluminum stand up a little bit more. In well, you can, there's, it's like iron in that you add things to make steel. With aluminum, you can certainly do different additives to increase its strength, increase its corrosion resistance. And you change the properties, basically. You're changing exactly. the properties to decide what you want the aluminum yeah, to do. Yeah, metallurgy is a huge field in itself and a way to manipulate alloys to get what you want. So, in on, on and I and I don't never I've never really broken down rotors to go okay this one's this and this one's that, but I know on cast iron um, uh, exhaust manifolds they have them where you in the past we used to go through uh, quite a few and we're going through, still going through them they're still cracking and breaking um, because of the demands of our engines nowadays but you could buy inexpensive castings that were le- way less expensive than the ones the manufacturer offered. And what I found is the less expensive ones don't hold up, they crack, they have all these issues, they warp very easily. And I was told because it's because they don't have as much nickel in them that they can't withstand the heat demands of our engines. And they look identical exteriorly. You know, when you look at them, they can't tell the difference. But once they get hot and cold, whatever metals that make them withstand that cast withstand that heat of that hot exhaust they can't hold up and and they don't they're horrible i i i searched for hours looking for exhaust manifolds their original equipment because the aftermarket ones don't last and and usually you see it in motorhomes and heavy applications um so my concern on the rotors is whatever additives that let's say honda motor company requires for the stock rotors if they're not in those drilled, slotted uh, uh, rotors, then even though you have the extra ability to dissipate heat, it doesn't have the needed additives in to withstand the demands of the application. Um, Terry's actually texting in on that point, okay. too. So he says, from what I read about slotted rollers, they wear out quicker and also wear out the pads quicker. Oh, that that's a good point. They very well could. You have more surface. You have more surface to stop and start on, so it's like a bump in the road or, or a crack in, in in a pane of glass. It's smooth. You catch that crack, and it can cut. It can damage, sure. even though it's not completely broken. You know, even though it's not two complete pieces. Or I guess it is, but even though it's not. Uh, open and a gap between them that we can see there's a difference there. I can see where the edges of the the slot or the the drilled hole could cause more friction with the pad and, and cut into it, wear it out. Yeah. And then the other thing I wonder is how much of that, how much of that, it's, what he's saying, I, I believe what he's saying, don't get me wrong, um, but I wonder how much of that is science and how much of it is people out going, well, these things didn't last very long at all. Of course, I've been driving the snot out of it. Yeah. It's kind of like the fuel economy thing. Oh, my car gets 20 miles per gallon. Like, you get 20 miles per gallon in your car? Yeah, this one time I was driving to Vegas. Okay, you don't get 20 miles per gallon You one time you drive to Vegas. If you sit down every week and you sit down and look at your mileage, mm-hmm. then we'll talk. Yeah. Well, that's why like places, let's say like Consumer Reports or Underwriters Laboratories, where they actually test the different products to see how well they perform over time. Yeah. I like those. My problem is I've had, I've gone and tried to find those things, and so many of them are 
and I'm not saying Consumer Reports or, or Underwriters Lab is, is, but so many of them are um, influenced. Sponsored. By their sponsors. <laughs> yes, yes. And I don't know how many times this is the best product ever for whatever you want, whatever it is. You Good know, point. the, the yeah, best soap ever. It's incredible. Yes. And you buy it and it's just garbage. And you go, oh, wait a second. You go back and you go, oh, wow, they're sponsored by that soap. Well, that's why. Okay, never mind. I never thought about that because Consumer Reports, I don't know if they still do it. They used to have a magazine, I believe. Mm-hmm. I believe and, so. And did they have advertising in that I magazine? Don't remember I can't that. remember. That's a good point. I, I like I said, I don't know. I that Consumer Reports was kind of going out when I started uh-huh. going into that. I, I checked a few things back in the day, and mm-hmm. then lately, I can't believe anything online. I, I mean, and, I, and so every time I go back to the the old the old saying, you know, Benjamin Franklin said, "All adver- I mean, all information on the internet is true." <laughs> Thank you. Yes. No, Jim's, that, Jim's looking at me like he doesn't understand what I'm talking about. No, I, I understand okay. what you're saying about. Yeah, no, I, Peter Frank wasn't born I've yet. Had you know, it was that dead talk way before. A few times with younger and 90% people in my of statistics life. are made up on the spot. So yeah. yes. there you go. And, yeah. and my, my grandfather's favorite one is all, uh, um, uh, facts, figures. Uh, no, was it all? No, it's about lying. No, I was still uh, pondering whether or not Consumer Reports had advertising yeah. or not. Yeah, at you're that point. Right <laughs> you can probably look it up. Uh, so I, I worry that 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 that's part of that. The other thing I'm concerned is that at one point in time, Honda had a problem with the the their um, the machining surface on their hubs, which is what the rotor bolts to and the wheel bolts to. And it wasn't really true. So um, I was told years ago part of Honda's warping rotor issue was that the hubs weren't true and we're putting brand new rotors that are perfect on an imperfect hub and that rotor is not spinning true. It's two to five thousandths out of true. And so it wobbles, and as it wobbles going down the road, the pad rubs on one side and the on mm-hmm. the other, and it wears the rotor out and makes it thinner on opposite sides. So then you get a pulsation after eight to thousand, eight to ten thousand miles. Amazing what you wouldn't see if you just handled it or spun it slowly, but once you start spinning up. Those little differences are huge. Oh, yeah. And it's constant. Every mile, right. it's rotating how many times. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much to wear that rotor out. So yeah. what we've ended up doing, and a lot of manufacturers have required their dealers to have, is an on-car lathe. Mm-hmm. So you put that brand-new rotor on that car, and then you machine it. And, and it's funny because so many mechanics go, you're going to ruin that perfectly good rotor. That rotor is perfect. And I go, yes, it was. You're absolutely right. And it was perfect on that million dollar or five million dollar machine it was machined on it was it's absolutely perfect unfortunately i'm not running it on that machine i'm running on this car over here and this hub on this car is not perfect so now we're going to machine that rotor for the car not for the so it gets it back to balance yes, yes get it back to true within a thousandth of an inch mm-hmm and so that's what that's what we end up doing a lot of especially on those cars that have that problem and I'm um, I'm a big fan of saving a rotor. If I can, if I've got a car that is not known for damaging rotors, I would I prefer to keep the old rotor, especially if it's good quality, and machine it back to true as long as it's within specs, it's thick enough. Um, I would prefer to do that than buy a new rotor because on a new rotor I'm going to do the same machining process anyway. Mm-hmm. 
And if I can, and then sometimes I can save quite a bit of money. Sometimes some rotors are very expensive. And that's my other query is, okay, so the, your local dealer wants $212 for, per rotor for your car. Okay, let's just say, whatever it is, it, $112, it doesn't matter. Whatever that your car is, they want $212. And the <clears throat> highly advertised, inexpensive auto parts store wants $18. Do you really think the the dealer is marking it up $200? No, it's not the same rotor. It's a completely different composite made out of completely different materials. And this is one of the things that the state of California has had to step into is catalytic converters. I can buy a catalytic converter out of state for your car for pennies on the dollar. And the reason why is because inside it doesn't have the precious metals needed to do its job. And it costs a lot. That's that's a huge expense is the precious metals. In fact, a lot of the, the I think there's three in a catalytic converter that are two, two or three, Alan? Well, I know platinum, palladium, and nickel are often used as catalysts. There might be some, another few others like rhodium thrown in. I don't know which ones they're using now. So those are more expensive, well, on nickel, but the rest yeah, are yeah. more expensive than gold, mm-hmm. more expensive than silver, and they're stuck inside your exhaust. Well, I, you know, I can save a lot of money by not putting as much in and make the same housing, but it doesn't do the same job. And this, what happened in the state of California is people would go and get these inexpensive catalysts, and the shop would put it in whatever shop, your muffler shop, your repair shop, whatever, and they would go off, pass smog, take off, and go and enjoy life. And two years later, they would try to pass smog again, and it wouldn't pass smog, and they'd need a new new catalyst. Well, because the old catalyst, the one they save a bunch of money on, wasn't up to par and wouldn't last, and so then they would try to get the Bureau of Automotive Repair involved and sue the shop and small claims court and everything else because they felt like they were taken advantage of. So the state of California said, it's fine. You know what? We're not going to be part of this anymore. We're just going to make it to where you have to have. We have to be able to test your catalyst and make sure it has the, the materials needed to do the job for the long term. Catalysts get poisoned, that's the term, after a while, and they stop working. So you want that quantity and quality initially so that it will last longer. They will still go out eventually. Right. Oh, yeah. But I've but had them go longer. twenty. I've had them go 300,000, 400,000 miles if, as long as they're good quality and they're not poisoned. Right. And so that means, and, and how do you poison a catalyst? This is a great question. How would you poison a catalyst on a car? Well, it depends on the fuel. The fuel mix coming out can affect it. Um, I don't know if leaded versus unleaded. I know it seems. I don't even know. Can you still get leaded fuel anywhere in the country? I, I don't know. That, I don't. That you can, I don't. I'm sure, you can find it somewhere. Yeah. But with but all the not additives, in a pump. Certain, but you lead chemicals, coats the catalyst. And well, it attacks it, so. the metal. It can bond to it, and if it bonds to it, the catalyst can't do its job. And that was a great thing about lead is that it it, atta- it, it, it bonded to the valve seats and the valves mm-hmm. so that we would be able to not burn up our, our cylinder heads. Mm-hmm. We could pick, make them cheap and inexpensive, and they wouldn't burn up. And right. then we got rid of that cool little agent and <laughs> so that we could have catalysts, and we started ruining cylinder heads. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, okay. We're going to take a break. Jim, Jim's, Jim's hopping over here. We're oh, gonna, yeah. I'm going to. He does that a lot. Yeah. That's his exercise. <laughs> 
got a classic commercial here. Uh, Alan was telling me he likes the classic commercials. So we got the classic commercial here. This is kind of holiday themed. Uh, Santa Claus land. We're going to Santa Claus, Indiana, which is where they <laughs> filmed this spot for the 1954 Chrysler. Say, we're just in time to see Santa himself now, coming back from a trial run. But I guess you can't blame him for wishing he drove a new 1955 Chrysler instead. You get behind the wheel and you'll see why. Or just take a look at that fashion-setting, sweeping silhouette. Sleek and low, with a thrilling sense of motion. Why not make up your mind right now? Give your family the $100 million gift. Order a new 1955 Chrysler tomorrow as a thrilling surprise. If your Chrysler Plymouth dealer can't deliver by Christmas, perhaps he can give you the scale model as a symbol of your gift. And a Merry Chrysler Christmas to you all. Are you sick and tired of dealing with the so-called new normal when we know there's nothing normal about it? How about dealing with the old normal for a change? Westside Auto Supply and Slow still offers the same old-school service they've been known for since 1946. They still offer the best quality auto parts, expert service, and the advice you deserve. Walking into Westside is like going back in time when the customer was king. With the latest technology and always competitive prices, Westside Auto Supply, buy the best, from the best. Absolute Auto Tech in San Luis Obispo wants to extend thanks to all of their loyal customers over the years. Drive safe on the roads and take the time to maintain your automobiles. You can count on Absolute Auto Tech for high quality repairs for your safety and safe driving needs. Absolute Auto Tech has been performing auto repair services since 1997 at the corner of Sacramento Drive and Capitolio Way in San Luis Obispo. Come by or call 547-1062. That's 547 Ten sixty-two. I kind of remember this actually a little bit. Thunderbirds, nineteen sixty-five. Yeah, it was a. Uh... They made a couple movies out of uh, one movie live action, not that long ago. Yeah. Anyway, we're back. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It, it fits because, you know, there's a car called the Thunderbird. That's right. So there it is. It works for me. <laughs> yes. I don't know that they ever had one in, in Europe, but we definitely have them here. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about real quick was. Um, LEDs. I've had a customer been fighting. I've had several customers fight a light emitting diodes for taillights, headlights, that kind of stuff on your car. If your car has them, your car has them. Great. That's awesome. Whatever. I enjoy. If your car doesn't have them and you decide that you want LEDs on your car, I'm fine. Enjoy. I'm, I'm, it doesn't matter. It's not my car. It's your car. I just caution you to... Consider that even though it's an LED and it's designed for your car, the car is not designed for them. And it can create a plethora of problems. I've even have it I've even heard of it creating a no start condition. Light emitting diode headlights. And uh, a customer, not not one of mine, but a, a technician friend of mine, he had a customer that 
the truck was great. Everything's fine. Customer put dio, uh, uh, LED headlights in. No big deal. Everything's fine. All of a sudden, one day it wouldn't start, and and like weeks later or something, and they put body modules and uh, thousands of dollars into this vehicle, and um, someone went well. That, those are LEDs, aren't they, on the headlights? And they go, yeah, yeah, customer put them in. And they go, have you pulled those yet to see what happens? And they go, why would that matter? It's not computer-controlled headlights. It's a switch. Who cares? Yeah, pull them out and see what happens. And the car ran fine after that. Hmm. This is thousands of dollars later. So if you decide that you want light-emitting diodes for your lighting, and that's, I'm not saying don't, I'm saying... If you have any issues electrically, communication, uh, starting, weird turning, weird whatever, remove them, put the incandescent bulbs back in, and see what happens. And if it doesn't fix it, well, that's fine. At least you know that wasn't the problem. But if it does, what a cheap fix. Compared to sending it to your mechanic and letting them pull their hair out for weeks on end and your pocketbook drain for weeks on end to find out that you created your own problem. That sucks. So, just be careful, and I, I, that, that's that, that's all I'm trying to say. We, I talked to him briefly about this the other day. Um, we're running a commercial. I'm not going to say the name of the sponsor, but um, <laughs> where you could change your oil if you're going into like a, a colder climate, same at say over oh, yeah, Christmas. Oh, right. Uh-huh. And they could they use use their different white oil. Is that something you would advise or not? Okay, so certain manufacturers don't don't care as long as the additive package is in the oil. They don't. They they'll go. I've seen them go. I've seen Volkswagen or Mercedes go from yeah, you can use a zero fifty, a ten forty, a ten thirty, a five thirty, a five forty oil, but it has to have this part number on the oil with this additive package. And I, in my brain, I always thought of it as, okay, are you running the Mojave Desert all all year round and all summer, or are you living in the Alps, and you've got to run this thing in the Alps, and it never gets over 30 degrees? Um, and I don't know what the temperature in the Alps is, actually, but whatever, I'm you know, the example I'm trying to use. Um, so... I always thought of it as that. So, yes, on your particular car, you could go to a thinner weight oil in a colder climate, and it could help. It could help it run better, start easier, um, better fuel economy, everything. But only if your manufacturer says so would I do that. Um, If it's an older car, I recommend going to a high mileage oil because it will have the zincs and and the additives in it that used to be in our oils because... Right now, when you go to West Auto Supply and buy a quart of oil for your car, and my car takes, you know, a 1030, and it's a, let's say it's a Toyota, and it says 530 right on the cap. Well, normally Toyota and Honda don't really care. It's, it's five weight, 530 weight, they don't care what you're putting in. It doesn't matter what brands, additives, they don't care for whatever reason. Not all, most manufacturers aren't that way. So if you buy that 530 for your 2000 Accord, the problem is that, that quart of oil that Steve is selling you is for a 2022 Honda Accord, although they probably don't take 530, but nevertheless, that's what it's for because it has the additive package for a new car. And if that new car 
decided they didn't want zinc in that new car, it's not going to be in there. Even though your 2000 car wanted zinc in it, it's not going to be in that quart of oil. So I go to the high mileage oil because in that they add the zincs and that kind of stuff because they're thinking of an older car with high miles. But go ahead, Sally. Go ahead, Alan. So I was thinking in terms of corrosion. They say what the issues? Is it just that it corrodes the parts faster? The zinc? Well, well, the zinc might prevent it. It might oxidize as a substitute for something else. But I'm just thinking. The consequences of putting the wrong oil in is what I'm asking. Well, it doesn't have the lubrication properties. Ah, okay. And, and so, once again, we are back to our milk tea analogy. All, almost all of our oils are just a, you know, a five-weight oil mm-hmm. um, or a ten-weight oil. And then they added packages, they add chemicals to that. And let's say a 530 is a five-weight oil, but they add a... Um, a chemical to it to make it act like a 30-weight oil when it's hot mm-hmm. instead of acting like a 5-weight oil when it's hot and it's too thin when it's hot. Mm-hmm. So you on a, on a multi-viscosity oil, you get the protection when it's cold and the protection when it's hot. So in a cold climate, not like ours, but you know, five below type of thing, if you had a 30-weight oil in a car that took a 530, it may not start mm-hmm. because the friction in there would be too great to bet for the starter to push around all that oil. Yeah, in the in the between the metal parts. Yeah, too much viscosity. In the right, oil. and it right. just makes it really thick. Like, um, no, I don't know what molasses. am I thinking of. Yeah, like molasses or a honey. You get your spoon in there, start stirring that molasses in that bowl, and mm-hmm. wow, there's a lot of friction compared to the milk. Um, so I, 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 I'm back to the manufacturer has people working for them that understand metallurgy, that understand uh, uh, thermal dynamics and, and all the things that go along with viscosities of oil and, and chemical makeups, and they know what they designed the vehicle to withstand, mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that we're using what they recommend. Otherwise, honestly, otherwise we're, we're doing whatever we want to do, and, if, and, and if, we, if it works, great. If it doesn't, we're paying the consequences. Well, and you got to think about the fact, too, you know, you might be going to a really cold climate, but you're going to drive through the Central Valley on the way to the cold climate. <laughs> yeah. And are you going to so, stay in that climate? Yeah. Are you going to spend 3,000 or 5,000 miles in that climate, or are you yeah. going to go up and visit and come back? For a couple of yeah. days, right. Yeah. That makes a difference. Yeah. So, so and, and the damage on those three starts while you're in the cold climate <laughs> compared yeah. to the damage yeah. the rest of the 100 starts or 200 starts mm-hmm. while you're in a town, yeah. Yeah. It, it may not make it worthwhile. But once again, I'm, I'm open to it depending on the manufacturer. Um, uh, GM says, look... This is our oil. We have, I think GM has three, three part number oil for all makes, all models for GM. I think it's three or four. So here you go. Here's your four oils. There's two for diesel and one for gas, I think. Bang. Yeah. This is what we want. Yeah. Are you in the snow? This is what you want. Yeah. If you're in the desert, this is yeah. what you want. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what GM has done a lot of, they've done a lot of research to come up with that that part number and what that part number exists for and that's for certain cars now i'm not saying that one part number works from the 50s or the 30s on to today that works for today's cars in 22 or 20 or whatever so there's a zinc i guess is one of those chemicals that used to coat and damage catalytic converters so manufacturers are taking it out right and i guess it's uh it vaporizes 
during the burning uh, during the running process Mm -hmm. and goes into the environment right so i'm not worried about zinc in the environment per se but yeah if it affects your catalytic converter that's an obvious issue but they're taking out chemicals like that that's just the one that comes to my head um because of environmental reasons you know they burnt gases in our environment Mm -hmm. because ideally in a perfect world um our cars burn hydrogen and carbon hydrocarbons with oxygen to create water and carbon dioxide that's an ideal but there's not anywhere where we're ideal anywhere in the world and anytime you burn something in air you're always going to get oxides and nitrogen can't get away from that exactly so we got a first here okay probably somebody somebody's listening off the internet obviously craig Craig ah, in Los Angeles is calling. Yeah. Oh, 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 there we go. Okay, that right, makes sense. Right. <laughs> well, I was like, okay, because that's the first from Los yeah. Angeles for us. So, so let's talk to Craig. Good morning, Craig. Uh oh, is he on yet? I have to push the button. Uh, there we go. I gotta, okay. Yeah, I got to get rid of the flash. <laughs> I was like, you know, How's I got to get rid of the morning? flashing light and make it a solid oh, light. Oh wow. There we are. Okay. So I, my question is, you were talking about oils, but um, what about synthetic oils? What are the, what are the properties of those? Alan? Good question. <laughs> Aside from the longer life that they claim, I don't know what's in them. I've never actually looked up what they contain. Just that they're supposed to be able to double or triple the time between oil changes. And I don't know in terms of environmental effects either. I've not looked that up. Well, so, you're, they're talking <laughs> about uh, weight of oils, like 10, you know, the, <clears throat> like 1020, and I mean 1030 and so mm-hmm. forth. <clears throat> what about the synthetic oils? Do they handle the same way? They should. Or? From my understanding, and I, and this is Jason's gross idea of life, but from my understanding, a synthetic oil is a synthesized oil. So it's the same yeah, oil yeah. you're going to get anyway. It's the same oil that's in the other container. It's just <clears throat> the other container, that, let's say the 530, okay? Let's just, for instance, a 530 motor oil and a standard motor oil is going to be realistically anywhere between, let's say, three and a half and seven weight oil instead of five. It's going to be anywhere between there. And then they add the additive package to make it sim- seem like a 30 weight when it's hot. So a synthetic oil is going to be more like a four and a half to five and a half weight oil. And then they're going to add the added package to make it 30. And from my understanding is <clears throat> it's okay. So, and once again, this is Jason's crude idea of the world. Um, oil is just a byproduct of crude oil and it's anywhere between a heavy, heavy tar and natural gas. Mm-hmm. And we're just siphoning off pieces of it. And we've figured out a way to take that three and a half to seven, let's say, weight oil package area and add a chemical to make them down to around five. And now that five weight oil can do better because we know it's actually five weight and we can now add additives to it and we add more additives to their, our new oil so that it can handle, be a better detergent, last longer and and not um, uh, ignite as well so it doesn't burn and it, it handles, um, it absorbs, so it's more soapen if you would to absorb the soot and the and the byproducts of, of gasoline burning engines. Yeah, right. so it has more additives put into it <clears throat> in respect to the standard oil. Yes. It's just a matter of getting the viscosity which you want so it can handle cold and hotter, 
warmer temperatures and keep the keep the right thickness. So it's a better oil. It's a much better oil. It's mm-hmm. but <clears throat> the other thing is though, it has different properties. And if your car is not designed for it, let's say you have a '74 Ford Galaxy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that engine is not designed for that. And you can find after changing from a standard or a, a regular engine oil to a synthetic that will start leaking through the gaskets and seals more because they're not designed to hold back that fluid, if you would. Yeah, I understand, yeah. So it's really cool for the right application. If you have a, a newer Corvette, you better be running a synthetic, a full synthetic Mobile One. Otherwise, if you have engine problems, GM will not warranty, period. The first thing they do is do a sample of the oil. Okay, very good. All right, well, thank you. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Okay, good. All right, thank you. Thank you you for calling. I really appreciate the phone call. It shocked him. (laughs) Your brother sounds a little bit like you, Uh, Funny how that works, yes. (laughs) What if it's a related gene pool? (laughs) Whether we admit to it or not, that's another story. (laughs) I mean, the poor guy had to move 200 miles away to get away from you. (laughs) That's right, that's right. Or is it the other way? But uh, whatever. <laughs> Your brother moved away from you too, Jason. So. <laughs> Actually, no. My brother didn't. My brother's still in the same place. He lives oh, within okay. three you, miles of where he's always away. lived. You moved away from your brother. I okay. moved away from my brother. Yeah, yes. He sent you away. Okay. He sent me away. He paid good money to get rid of me. That's right. That's it. That's it. The question I have for you, Jason, is on the filters. Is it the same oil filters for both kinds of oils, or are there special filters for the synthetic? No, it's a standard oil filter, and and oil filters are a crude, crude device. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really crude. They're just designed for big particulate stuff, right? And they do filter out some stuff, but they're not very good at that. Uh, they're not designed for that. <clears throat> the, in fact, you know, the God, the early Chevy three fifties didn't have an oil filter. The old early Volkswagens had a screen in the bottom of the of the wow. oil, you know, on the oil pan. Um, <clears throat> it is it, it they are they're better than nothing don't get me wrong but at one time there was this thing i think it called a lubrifiner uh somebody can tell me make sure i got the name right i think it's called lubrifiner and basically and i don't know this actually what it was but it was i was told it looked like it was a canister that you teed off from your oil pressure sender. So it used to be we had a, a physical oil pressure gauge. It was a, be a, a tube or a, <clears throat> a, a hose that went from the engine over to a gauge, and the gauge would move by the pressure of the oil. Well, you would tee off of that, <clears throat> and you'd go to this canister filter, and then it would go dump back into the crankcase. And so a little bit of oil would go through this, what looked like a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> and the oil would penetrate and go through it. And you could keep your oil cleaner much, much longer because it would take out most of, if not all, the particulate. Which is really cool and great. I think they lost favor because now we use uh, a physical, I mean, an electric gauge. And there's no line going into mm-hmm. your car. And then there's less mechanics, less people doing their own mechanic work. We have less engine failures. And then the other problem with this is, so I take all of the particulate out. If I take and make coffee and I have a strainer and I'm able to uh, sift a a filter and take all the tea out, the water isn't necessarily what the water was before I made coffee. It still could be acidic. It could be basic. Mm-hmm. It could be, we could change the ch- chemically. Sure. So the same thing with our oil. Yes, we can 
filter out the particulate and make the oil look good, but it could still be acidic or basic and, and have things that are environmental impacts that could damage the oil, which damage the engine. Which is why you have to change the oil. Exactly. That's why you need to change the oil. And you change the filter out because if it gets restricted, then now you have low oil flow. You can have a lot of problems created, but there too. So changing both is huge. So are there different grades of filters? I would think the really cheap filters might start disintegrating at some point and putting things into the oil. They can, or they can just get plugged and bypassed. Mm -hmm. And so when you go to a full synthetic and you want to see... If you want to see 15,000 miles or 10,000 miles on oil change, you really need to have a high-end, high-capacity oil filter to handle the the particulate that enters the oil over mm-hmm. those over that miles. Now, the other thing that happens is if you're going to do that, great, enjoy whatever. It's your car. I don't recommend going extended periods because of all the other things that go along in a car. But make sure you're checking your oil. After you get more than 3,000 miles, make sure you're checking your oil every 1,000 miles at least. Because as that oil gets full, uh, uh, um, starts it starts breaking down because of the gasoline vapor going into it, it starts burning off. And once you get more than 3,000 miles on a car, usually, for me, it's 0 to 3,000 miles in half a quart to a quart. 3 to 4,000 miles is about a quart. So now if you haven't checked your oil and you're 4,000 miles in, you could really be a quart and a half low. By 5,000 miles, you could be three quarts low easily, Well, and which is also, engine damage time. We've talked about this, too, before. If you're going to higher elevations and stuff like that in my Mustang, I took my Mustang up there. I was fine. I went into Wyoming, and, um, you know, I was fine in California. Checked it in Fresno. Picked up my nephew in Fresno. Fine. Not a problem. Uh, checked it in Winnemucca, Nevada on the way up there. Not a problem. Got up into Yellowstone in Wyoming, and I was a quart low because of the elevation, the speeds in Idaho. I don't know what that's I all about. I wonder if it's engine speed, partially engine speed and partially load. Yeah. Because it I, takes a lot more power to pull the hills than it does yeah, the flats. That's right. And we, and we were going up there. And, and it's um, less so thinner, and, thinner air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All those things are going to make the engine work harder. Uh, we talked about the, you're talking about the oil. So we kind of met, briefly mentioned the filter. Is there, is there a filter you like to see more than other filters? Is there a filter that's a brand? Bre- better or not so good? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I used to be a big Wix guy, but mm. I, I can't say that they're the cat's meow. Um, some OE filters are really, really good. Some are just the cheapest garbage money can buy. Yeah. Um, honestly, you got to do, you got to do your research. Um, some of them are great, like uh, um, for the diesel, GM diesels. I only go back to AC Delco filter. I, I will only run the AC Delco filter because <clears throat> the other filter is not as good. Now, they do have an adapter for a cat, uh, um, uh, a filter that's used on Caterpillars, tractors, mm-hmm. to run. And then that one's a better filter. But then now you're trying to find a filter, and you got to remember part numbers, blah, blah, where I can just drop on the uh, AC Delco. Um, the Wix in, the, in that application, I'm not happy with. It doesn't do the same job. It brands and says it does, but it doesn't. And on filters, there's a there's a couple of different things on filters. There's the um, the filter rating, median rating, and then there's like an absolute. So it it should take part. It, it will handle eighty five percent of particulate, five microns and larger. Okay, and it will do it will do absolutely all particulate. 
99%, whatever, 100% particulate over 10 microns. Okay, but if I have a if I need a five micron filter, that means that I have twenty percent of five to ten just going right on through. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not good for my injectors and everything else. So, be really careful on where you're buying your filters. And just because they're or painted orange and they have a black bottom doesn't mean it's a good filter. Doesn't mean it's a bad filter. I can't say it's a bad filter. I can say it's not known to be a good filter. Right. Now, when you get first get a so a brand new car. It seems like just because you're trying to wear in, uh, burn in the engine, it makes sense to me to change the oil well before 3,000 for that very first change. Because it isn't starting at zero, the car came in from the manufacturer. So I'm just wondering, does that make sense that for your first round to do a little bit sooner? I tell you what, it's cheap insurance. It doesn't hurt a thing other than your pocketbook a little bit, but compared to damaging the engine, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's free money. Um, I could see buying your car, pulling off a lot, running it two, 3,000 miles, dumping the oil, replace oil and filter, and refill it with the right oil, and bang, and just enjoy from then on. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be a big deal. Nowadays, most of our engines are run before they're ever put in the car. Mm-hmm. used to be they assembled them, cleaned them as best they could, assembled them, put them in the car, started the car, and and that's what you ran. Nowadays, they're pretty clean, and they do a lot of filtering, a lot of stuff ahead of time. But uh, what if they miss something? What if something we're, got we're caught? We're down to one minute yeah. here, guys. Just to All let right. Alan know, too. One minute. Thank so. you. So, uh, yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. Jim's sitting there showing me two minutes, and I'm okay, Jim. And, uh, and Alan. <laughs> <laughs> now we're down to yeah. one. <laughs> He's trying to, so, Ignorance um, is bliss. That's my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm definitely bliss, then. <laughs> Well, we better get rolling. We got to shut it down. Uh, so it wouldn't be a big deal to dump the oil first. I like that a lot. Um, uh, thank you very much for coming in, Ellen. This oh, you're great quite having welcome. You. It's I really fun. Appreciate I enjoy it. it. Yeah, and, no trouble talking. And your brother calling in. That was awesome. awesome that was nice. Yeah. Jim, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, remember, Merry Christmas. This is our last show for the year. Um, have lots of fun. Get out and get your shopping done so it makes it a happier day for you mm-hmm. and those you're buying for. Yeah. We do have reruns the next two weeks. Well, but for me. It's the last live show for the year. Thank you very, very much. Have a wonderful new year. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.